Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This is episode number 103 of the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's program. As always, you can download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and everywhere podcasts are found. And of course, this episode is brought to you and sponsored by Compassion International. $38 a month when you sponsor a child, you are providing medical care, you are providing education, you are providing vocational training to get people equipped to do the work that needs to be done to get a job and the opportunity, this is the big one here, the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Go to Compassion.com and find out more and sponsor a child today. The Romanos sponsor a 13-year-old from Haiti, a young boy, and we just love how Compassion connects the person who does the sponsoring with these children. We we write letters to them directly, and they write letters back to us. Our young boy writes letters back to us, and it's just a wonderful way to stay connected and to help someone and to serve someone and give them hope. That's what Compassion is about, providing hope one child at a time. 1.8 million children in 25 countries have been receiving sponsorships from Compassion and over 150,000 children have chosen to follow Jesus Christ just in the last year alone through Compassion. This model works. I can't encourage you more. Sponsor a child today. $38 a month. Go to Compassion.com and sponsor a child. Today's guest on the podcast, he is Thomas Davis, three-time Pro Bowl linebacker with the Carolina Panthers. 2014 Walter Payton Man of the Year. Selected in the first round of the 2005 draft, 14th overall by the Panthers. He's still there, and he's been there. And he announced in January that 2018 would be his final season in the NFL. He's retiring. And we talked to Thomas back in late February about his life, about his journey, about growing up in this tiny little town called Shelman, Georgia. We talked about the adversity of overcoming three torn ACLs back to back to back as well as talking about the Super Bowl when he played with a broken arm in the loss to the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 50. But we talk about uh, Thomas's faith where Christ um, comes into play with him and we also talk about his foundation and giving back and what he's learning from the Lord during this season of life. Uh, But we also want to preface this that we taped this interview like I said in late February at a conference in Phoenix, Arizona. And this was after the news that Thomas, and this was before the news was announced in early April that Thomas would be suspended uh, for the first four games of the NFL season, what he says is his final NFL season, uh, because of performance-enhancing drugs, for testing positive for a banned performance-enhancing drug. Uh, Thomas called it one of the saddest days of his NFL career, and says he was completely caught off guard by this, and he's never done anything in any way to try intentionally cheat the game. And we'll play a little bit of Thomas's response to that on the back end that he posted on Twitter back on April 6th. But I think this interview really shows you the genuine uh, love that Thomas has for God, that he has for people, and that uh, you know he's still someone that we should be listening to. I thought the way he responded to his suspension was uh, pretty classy. Uh, he's, he's a guy that uh, doesn't, I don't think his, his reputation or anything like that is tarnished. You could tell how upset he was uh, in the way that he responded to um, hearing about this four-game suspension. But I, I really want you to hear Thomas's heart, and I think his love for the Lord and his love for his family and his love for football 
comes through in this interview. So let's get right to it. Without further ado, here he is, Carolina Panthers linebacker, three-time Pro Bowler, Thomas Davis. Welcome, Thomas. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's good to talk to you. Uh, January 12th, 2018, there's an announcement made, and you say this is going to be your last season playing in the NFL, yeah. 2018. What brought you to that moment? Let's start there. And to know that you had one year left, that was it. And you just knew that this was this was it. You know, I think with, with everything that, that has gone on in my career and, you know, how amazing really God has been and how obedient, um, you know, I've had to be from a standpoint of, of bouncing back from the things that I face um, as a football player and, and know that, this is going on my 14th year. You know, that's a lot of years when you think about the, the grind that, that takes place when you're playing this game. And, you know, I have four kids at home. You know, mm -hmm. that, was, that was my real reason. And, you know, my boys are getting older and um, they're starting to transition into do, doing things off the field as far as playing sports. And um, my daughter is about to be 16. 16. So now wow. it's, it's really a time now that, you know, that they need me the most, I feel like. And, it's time for me to really dedicate more time to, to really spending with them. Take us to the house, the conversation, first of all, with your wife and maybe the prayers that went through all this, making this decision, but the conversations with your kids. They're old enough now to have that conversation and say, hey, dad's thinking about doing this. Did you have that kind of conversation? You know, ironically enough, you know, my, my 10 year old, he wants me to play three or four more years, <laughs> you know, and um, he, he doesn't fully understand that, you know, if my dad stops playing, then he gets to spend more time with us. Like, he hasn't grasped that concept yet. He just loves the aspect of, yeah. you know, I have an NFL dad who's out there making plays and, and everybody loves. And, yeah. you know, he just loves that whole aspect of it. But, you know, for me, it, it's really become a no-brainer, you know, from sitting down, talking to my wife and us discussing, you know, you know, having me at home more, being around more. And um, She's fully supportive of any decision that I make. You know, if I change my mind and decide that I want to play one more year after that, um, she's in full support of that. Mm. Um, she just really um, is the, the kind of wife that really wants me to be happy in whatever decision that I make. So um, it's def it definitely makes it easier having her support. Was there a moment on the field in 2017 where you were like, I think I got about one more left. <laughs> was there any of that t type of thing or was it literally just wait till the uh, season's over and do a reevaluate type of thing? You know, it was it was a point last season where I, where I broke my rib mm. um, in the third game of the season against New Orleans, and you know, just really struggling with that for most of the season. You know, just trying to bounce back and and you know, not really missing any games from that, but trying to play through it. And it's such a know, painful injury, oh, isn't it's, it? It's, it's extremely painful, yeah. especially for a guy to try to play through it. And, right. You know, that's what I did, and um, didn't really put the product on the field um, that I'm capable of putting out there. You know, in dealing with that. But at the same time, you know, this, in this game, you have to play through some things. And, you know, that's something that I've tried to pride myself in doing, you know, playing through injuries or being hurt. And, you know, it was just this season, with it being the 13th season, and you just really start to look at all the things that I've, that I've gone through um, from an injury standpoint. And it's just like, uh, you, just you know, know. It's, time, it's time. 
So you so. can kind of plan your sort of, I don't want to call it a farewell tour. That's probably not the right words. But you can plan out like this is it. This is, you can go through my last training camp, my last mini camp, my last, you know, off-season program and all that. Yeah. Kind of kind of go all in, right? You know, you definitely can plan all that stuff out. And you can just really enjoy the moment, enjoy the time. You know, um, yeah. like I said, God has been so amazing in my life. For me to even still be playing at this point, I think that, that – that's really and truly been a blessing in itself. And I don't take it for granted. You know, a long time ago when all that stuff was going on, you know, I told myself I would never, ever take for granted being able to step on this field mm. um, yep. after going through those years of not being able to. Yeah. So that's why you see me go out and play the way that I play. I play extremely hard. I play um, as if it's going to be my last down each and every time that I'm on the field. So I don't. I don't take anything for granted when I step on the field. We're talking to Thomas Davis here on the Sports Spectrum podcast, and we'll talk a little bit more about those injuries and kind of that taking for granted situation that you've went through as a player. But I want to go back to where it kind of all happened for you. Shelman, Georgia. Yeah. Tiny Shelman, like a thousand people I read. It's just tell us about Shelman growing up there and maybe where faith started to come into play in the Lord. Is that, you know, take shape in that whole childhood area of Shelman. Yeah, so Shelman, Georgia, um, small city, like you said, high poverty area, mm -hmm. not a whole lot of opportunities for kids growing up down there, really not a whole lot of opportunities for adults as well. But um, for me, you know, I made a commitment early that I, I wanted to do something more with my life than what, mm -hmm. I witnessed, what I witnessed and what I watched growing up in Shelman, Georgia. So I totally dedicated myself to being good at sports. Mm. You know, I, I, I did everything I needed to do as a student to like kind of position myself to earn a scholarship, but I knew that my opportunities were gonna lie in playing sports. So mm. I dedicated myself each and every day to playing, to playing football, to playing basketball, to running track, just doing whatever I could to, to create a chance or opportunity for me to earn a scholarship because I knew that that was going to be my only way of going to, going to college. I knew my mom couldn't afford to send me there. Um, I knew that just based on the requirements of getting an academic scholarship was going to be extremely tough. Yeah. You know, you have to have an extremely high um, GPA as well as an extremely high SAT or ACT score. And, you know, I just didn't have that. But I did earn high enough that I was able to earn a, a college scholarship. And it was two schools that offered me, well, not really two schools, but it was one Division One school. And um, I had another school in Grambling University and University of Georgia to offer me a scholarship. So those were my two options okay. on signing day. And obviously, Bulldogs. you don't turn down the Bulldogs when you <laughs> have the opportunities, right. because that's why I wanted to go to school at anyway. Yeah. And you know, I was kind of one of the last guys that, get, that they gave a scholarship offer to and it was a lot of hard work that went into earning that scholarship. And I actually got offered a scholarship from a coach coming in and watching me play basketball. Really? It was during basketball season. Okay. And, so know, was there a little bit of maybe playing some hoops too? It was playing Basketball some, and football? Definitely playing some hoops, but not from a college standpoint. It okay. was just really a coach coming in and witnessing firsthand the athleticism, mm. um, the work ethic. Like he, he got to witness and, and watch all of that stuff firsthand and, you know, after that basketball practice, he was like, I want to offer you a scholarship to come play at Georgia. I don't know where we will play you at, but I want you there. And, you know, it's the rest was, was really history at that point because everything that I had worked so hard, you know, God really aligned 
everything for it for me to have that opportunity because I tell kids all the time when I'm telling this story, I could have been skipping practice if I was one of those kids. I could have been um, disobedient or talking back to my coaches at the time when he was coming in witnessing and watching us practice or um, just anything. Could have been lazy, anything that could have deterred a coach from offering me a scholarship that day. But, you know, because I had no clue that he was coming in to watch. Right, right. You know, he was going to visit another kid in the town over, and he just stopped in and just offered me a scholarship based on what he was able to witness. And, you know, that's hard work, that's dedication, that's you um, perfecting your craft day in and day out and never knowing who's watching, having integrity and, and doing things the right way. And he offered me that scholarship. I went on to Georgia, one of the last guys given a scholarship offer, and I was in the first guy to be drafted out of that group of guys that, that came in. You Is that know, right? was a first-round draft pick. So of course. Yeah. Wow. Now tell me about your faith. When did that kind of take shape? Was it in college, obviously? Uh, we talk about your coach, Mark Rick, and all that yep. uh, as well. But tell me about when that became yours, when you understood what Christ had done for you. So growing up in Shelman, Georgia, I didn't grow up in a, a real religious household. You know, I wasn't a kid that was going to church every Sunday. And, you know, it's it, it just the way my mom brought me up. They, they didn't really push the issue, and I didn't really know any better as a young kid. It really wasn't until I got until I got to the University of Georgia and was able to play for a coach you just named in Mark Rick, and you know really watching his faith and watching his walk daily with God and and really trying to figure out and understand what was it about him that that made him love the Lord the way that he did that made him love his wife and his kids the way that he did you know and sitting down having conversations with him it, it was just that you know he he believed in the Lord. Um, he, he encouraged each and every one of us as players to go to church on Sunday. In fact, they took us to church on Sundays. And, you know, that was really when my love and my, my faith started to grow. And, you know, I continued to build on that once I got to Carolina. And I had a team chaplain at the time and Mike Bunkley that helped me grow in my faith and um, come to know and love the Lord. And, you know, it's just been strong ever since. You, you grew up without a dad. And I, I just want to ask you from – that perspective because you're now a dad to four children, right? Yes, sir. What was that like growing up without a dad and just not having a father figure around? Maybe Coach Rick was able to be sort of that father figure for you going into college, but what was it like growing up without a dad? You know, it was extremely tough growing up, you know, watching my mom struggle the way that she did to try to raise me and my younger sister. But at the same time, you know, I kind of gravitated towards my coaches in high school. You know, they were they were really my father figures growing up. You know, I had Coach McFather, who was my head football coach, and Coach Walter Knighton, who was an assistant. And I think those guys did a really good job of, of making sure that I, I remained focused as a young kid. Um, because as an 11th grader, my mom and my sister actually moved. They moved to Alabama, and I was mm -hmm. in a household with just me and an older cousin. So. When you think about that dynamic and as a young kid, yeah. to still be able to get up and go to school every day, to still be able to focus in on the things that you needed to do, you don't, have, you don't find a lot of kids at that age that are going to be willing to do that. Um, most kids would have took advantage of not having a parent in the household and just, right. you know. Party every night. Party right? every night, yeah. cut school. But like I talked about earlier, I was I was a very determined kid, and I knew that I wanted something different for my life, and I knew in order for me to do that, I had to get up and go to school every day. I had to dedicate myself to the sports that I was playing. 
to really create an opportunity. And our co my coaches really did a great job of making sure I stayed focused on it. Turn around now to you being a dad. And I, I tell people myself, because I walk through that sort of issue with uh, having a dad, and they say, well, how do you know how to parent your kid? I said, I just tried to do everything that my dad didn't do. Oh, you just took it from me. That's I exactly did, right? Is that how it was for you? So that, that's exactly how it was for me. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think back to those days growing up as a young kid and, and, you know, wishing that I had a dad to come take me here or come take me there or show me how to do this or uh, prepare me for what was ahead of me in life. And, you know, that's something that I take full advantage of with my kids. I'm, I'm always hands-on with anything that they have going on. If they want to participate in anything, I'm making sure that I'm there to support them. Um, if work allows me to be there. Of course. Just anything that, that I longed for as a young kid, I try to make sure that my kids never go without. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's never a night or a day that goes by that I don't, that I don't tell my kids that I love them. And that's, that's one of the things that's, that's real big with me because I never really heard my dad growing up tell me that he loved me. Mm -hmm. You know, still to this day, you know, even when we talk now, I still, we just kind of get off the phone. It's never, you know, I love you or talk, any of that. It's just a talk to you just later. Just a talk, right? yeah, yeah, I'll see you later. That's yeah. kind of how we get off the phone now. And, you know, I mean, for whatever reason, that's kind of what the relationship is and that's what it is. But. I'm never going to miss that opportunity with my kids because I know how I felt growing up never hearing that from my dad. Yeah. And my kids will never have a situation. I don't care how old they get. It's going to always be if we are leaving or we are going in different places, it's going to always be, hey, good night, I love you, or I'll see you later, I love you. It's going to always be a situation where I let my kids know how much I love them. Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast, brought to you by Compassion International, $38 a month, provide a child with education, medical care, tutoring, vocational training, and the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Go to Compassion.com, $38 a month, and sponsor a child today. You get drafted, selected in the first round, 2005, by the Panthers, uh, still with them, which is pretty awesome that you've been able to spend your entire career with one team, but you play a few years. 2006, 2007, 2008, and then 2009 comes. Yeah, and 2009. trials, uh, adversity, setback, 2010 comes, 2011 comes, three straight years of torn ACL injuries. I want to talk about those years for you, not, not only as an athlete and as a husband, but as a Christ follower. Let's start with the athlete part. Describe the difficulty that was for you just dealing with that the first time and then the second and third time. It was extremely tough, you know, yeah. and, and it was a situation where when it first happened in 2009, I, I really was in a situation because I was having a really good year, you know, probably my best year um, to date, not to date, but at that point in yeah. my career, I had pro probably having the best year of my career and halfway through the season, we in New Orleans and, you know, just make one simple move to redirect and I tear my ACL, and I find myself in a in a really dark place. And you know, the whole time I'm just I'm just constantly asking why, mm. like why does this have to happen to me? Like yeah. I've never I've never at that point never had any major injuries, and find myself really just questioning God, like what, why did I deserve this? You know, mm. why did this have to happen to me? And you know, you you kind of lose that 
that, that mindset or that thought process as a player, and then you start to focus in on what do I need to do to get back. So, right. I mean, the mindset is, is set, you know. I got to have surgery first and foremost, and now I got to rehab, and, yep. you know, I'm, I'm built for this. I grew up in Shelman, Georgia, so I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to go through hardships, and that was my mindset. So now I'm attacking the rehab process, and I go and have the surgery six months, six, six and a half months removed from surgery. Um, I'm feeling really good. We go out. Carolina was kind of doing a, a combine setup every off season, so we had to go through the weightlifting, we had to go through the running, the jumping, we had to do all that stuff over again as if we were at the combine. And yeah. One of the things that we did, we ran the 40s, and in doing that, I went out, ran a full 440 again after coming back off of the ACL injury, and this has been timed by our scout, so it was legit timing, and we all started feeling good about that, and like three days later, I go out, I start doing a couple of linebacker drills. You know, we're gravitating, we're moving on in the process of, of rehab. And three days later, I go out, do a simple um, backpedal and twist and instantly feel that feeling that I felt in New Orleans again. And our trainers were trying to be optimistic and say that, you know, maybe it was scar tissue, but I knew the feeling. Like Same knee and everything. With an right? ACL test, the same knee. Oh. You feel that feeling, you know exactly what it is. So yeah. I knew it. And, you know, MRI confirmed it. So now I'm, I'm really in a bad place. And I'm, and I'm really starting to just think that, you know, God is calling me to do something different. Like, mm. not, no longer really questioning. Well, no, I did. I'm not going to lie. I did question, like, why does this keep happening? Like, what about me? That's Where so are bad. you in your faith at this time, mature-wise? You know, I, I, was, I, was, I was doing good in my faith. Okay. And, you know, because really at that point I had, I had gotten married and um, me and Kelly had, had been baptized together. We had constantly been working with Mike Bunkley at the time and growing in our faith. We were growing together. And, you know, I, I was a believer. I was, I was a strong believer. So I continued to pray. And I, but I did question again, you know, God, what is it? What is it you're trying to show me? What do I need to be doing? Why, why is this happening? Is, are you telling me that I need to give up the game? And, you know, I stopped questioning that why was it happening to me when I asked myself a diff different question. Who would you rather this happen to on your team? Hmm. Like, wow. go through the roster. Who on your team would you rather God put this on? And, you know, it, it wasn't a single person that I, would, that I would say that I wanted that to happen to. Wow. You know, and I understood that at that point that, God was placing this on me because he knew that I could handle it. Hmm. I think God is very strategic in his approach. And at that point, it was really all about you've been through it before now, so go attack the rehab again. Go do it again. And I do that. We have the surgery again, and um, everything is going well. Two games until the next season in 2011 against the Green Bay Packers. Had a knee brace on. One of my teammates run into the ball, get leg whipped. Third ACL tear. Same knee? Same knee. Oh. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I knew at that point that my career was over. Really? Um, that was the thought process? That was the thought process. I'm done. Instantly, because I understand the business and the nature of the NFL, and I had been around for a while, so I knew that you don't see guys get opportunities after that. 
And you're 28 at the time, right? 29, uh, 20, somewhere 27, there? 28, somewhere yeah. around there. And, and, and I'm, you know, you know, you put up a good fight. You did everything that you could at this point. And, you know, now it's time to transition on to something else. Because during that time that I was out of the game, I, I spent a lot of time with my foundation. You know, we put a lot of work in. We started the foundation in 2008. So that time that I had off, we did a lot of work in the community. And that was one of the things that I felt compelled that God was calling us to do at the time. And we, mm. did, we dug in deep. You know, we did a lot um, with underprivileged kids. That would, that's what my foundation is geared towards, and that's what we did. And, you know, I kind of felt like that's what he was calling me to do. And it wasn't until I had a conversation with my wife and Mike Bunkley at the time, my team chaplain again, and they kind of presented the question to me, do you feel in your heart that, that you're done with the game, that you no longer want to play football anymore? And for me, it was no way I don't feel that. But understanding the, the dynamics of how the football business is and, right. and teams are not willing to give a guy a shot. So – they encouraged me to, to really, you know, stay positive. You got to have surgery anyway was what my wife presented to me to fix your knee. Why not give it another shot if you still love the game like you say you do, if you're still passionate about it? Yeah. So it was a no-brainer. I, I want to give it a shot, but will the team be willing to give me another opportunity after three years in a row of tearing my knee up? Yeah. It's a conversation that had to be had. So you wouldn't blame them if they said sorry. No, right? I couldn't. Got to move on. I couldn't. They, yeah. they, they've given me chance after chance. So we sit down. We had a conversation with our GM at the time, Marty Herney, our head coach, new head coach, and Coach Ron Rivera. That's right. And our owner, Mr. Jerry Richardson, and our team trainer. And they were. It really came down to the point where Mr. Richardson flat out asked them, "Are oh, is there a chance?" Ron, would you be willing to give Thomas a shot? I know you're new here, you don't really know him. And Coach Rivera was like, I would love to have him back if he can do it, if he can come back. And, you know, our trainers come to find out, kind of tried to talk Mr. Richardson out of it. Um, not the trainer, not, re not, not really our trainer, our team doctor. Because, medical guys. Yeah, the medical guys tried to talk him out of it. I think my trainer was on my side, Ryan Vermillion. He, he was a guy that was pulling for me and wanted to see it happen. But just – and I understand, just based on what had happened three years in a row, you know, you don't, you don't really want to put a guy back out there in that situation. But, you know, I made a decision that once Mr. Richardson said that if he's willing to put himself through it, I'll give him a chance. And Coach Rivera agreed. It was a no-brainer. I dove into the rehab process like no other because no longer am I just working to try to, to do this – to prove everybody wrong, because so many people are saying that the Panthers should give up on me, that I should retire if I want to be able to play with my kids. I wanted to let Mr. Richardson know that I appreciated him for, for believing in me and giving me that chance. And I want to prove everybody wrong that, that, that said that I couldn't do it, that I shouldn't do it, that it had never be, been done, that I couldn't do it. So each and every day I attack the rehab process with the mindset of I'm going to do it. No, you come back. No negative thoughts ever yeah. crossed my mind. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the first player to ever come back from three consecutive ACL tears to the same knee, and I'm going to prove that it can be done. And I'm going to open doors for guys that are going to follow me, that are going to um, possibly go through the same things. I'm going to show teams that it's okay to not give up on players. Yeah, and it's really good. You know, that, that was it. And that motivation, that courage has allowed me to go on and, 
go from having three straight years where I tore my ACL to three straight years now where I've enjoyed the luxury of being selected to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, just there's so much there. I want to go to just 2012 real quick and that first game back. Do you remember it? I do remember it. Is I your remember. knee kind of like you just like, okay, is there thoughts creeping in, doubt creeping in? Nope, it was, no. never, it was never any doubt. That's great. So my mindset – my role kind of got reduced a little bit to start the season because, you know, obviously none of us really knew right. what to expect. We knew that, you know, I had put the re rehab work in and um, I made some plays in preseason, but we never really knew what to expect. So we kind of had a, a small package for me and I played special teams. And um, we had a guy, well, we, he's still on our team now. He's back, Captain Monlin, and we both were playing gunners on the outside on the punt team. And I told Captain, and I, he's a cornerback. I said, I'm going to be the first one to go down and make the play on special teams. <laughs> we kind of had a bet about it. And he was like, no way you're going to beat me down there. And sure enough, the first play, we punt the ball. I get off full speed, go down, make the tackle. And that, at that point was when I knew that I was back. Mm. I knew that I was good. I knew that God had me covered. And it was going to be something special. Three years later, you're playing in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50. I want to uh, just talk a little bit about the game. You come up short, obviously. The Broncos win the game. But that game, for me, even more than the Broncos, was more remembered. I was working that game for ESPN that day, and I remember just the broken arm and playing, yeah. just doing everything you can to play in that game. And the Instagram photo of the stitches in your arm after the game and the post that you put about fighting for your brothers and the love you have for your teammates. Just go back to that moment, that game, and take us through what comes to your mind when I just bring that up to you. It was, it was a devastating moment, you know, to know that I had played the game at that point for 11 years and never really had an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. And here, here we are in the NFC Championship game and we're dominating the football game and I end up breaking my arm. Mm. It was devastating because once you know, like, once, once the play happened and I'm coming over, over to the sideline and our trainers ask me, like, what do you think? I'm like, it's broken. Like, I knew it. Before we had the x-rays done, I knew that it was broken. I felt it. I knew it. And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know at all that I would have a chance to play in the Super Bowl two weeks later. Mm. We go in. They look at it. They see where it's broken at. Our doctor tell me, well, you're right, it is broken, but there's a but. So I'm like, but? <laughs> so you telling me, what, what are you about to say? He's like, I can, we can do surgery at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to be totally up to you from a pain-tolerant standpoint, but we can put a plate in there, and you can still have a chance to play in two weeks. As a player, that's all I needed You're to hear. You're just like, hallelujah, right? That's all I needed <laughs> to hear, you know, just, just to think about. Just to have a shot. 11 years of, of not coming close. Well, really, I ain't going to say not coming close because my rookie year we played in the NFC Championship game. But that's right. never coming close again until, this, until that year. If you tell me that I have a shot in any way, I'm going to figure out a way to, to, to fight through the pain, to be able to go out and give ourselves a chance to, to really win the Super Bowl or play in the Super Bowl. And um, I go through the we, – we go in the morning, we have the surgery, and um, just really working throughout the week to try to get some strength back in my hands, you know, just working on that strength work. And 
trying to get the rotation back in the hand, knowing that there's yeah. a plate in there. And we we have that week, and then we go – finally we go to um, California, and we take the first couple of days we don't really practice, and then we start practicing. And then we – it start to feel better. And then we – you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I got a shot at this. We got a chance. And then we go – and it really became a situation where we found we found this thing that was going to cover it up. And they kind of told me, like, realistically, you're in a situation where the worst thing you can do is re-break your arm. I'm okay with that. Okay with that, yeah. I mean, we got the whole offseason. We, the shot, we right. got the whole offseason. So um, we pad it up. We go out, play the entire game. Yeah. Don't miss a snap. Um, defensively, I feel like we played well. Um, offensively, we had some turnovers that were costly, um, but we had a shot to win the game, and I didn't. I didn't hurt my team by being out there. It wasn't a selfish move. I feel like yeah. um, I played well enough to to kind of help us win. But at the end of the day, we came up short. If and this is, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If this was week three, how many games are you missing? Uh, like a month, two months, probably. Probably. And in two weeks, you're back playing in the biggest two game weeks, of your life. Biggest game of my life, and don't miss a snap. I mean, I think this really speaks to how amazing God is, you know, because we, as people, we as, as men, we, we think that when things happen, that it's the worst of the worst. And, you know, we, we often forget that, you know, God is in control of it all. Mm. And I live my life by my favorite verse in Philippians 4 13. Yep. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's through Christ's strength and his love and his mercy that I was able to bounce back from the knee injuries. It's through his love and his mercy that I was able to be able to have that shot at playing in the Super Bowl because a couple of inches lower and, you know, my arm is broken in a, in a position to where they can't really do that surgery. Yeah. So, Even just the spot on where the break was allowed Exactly. To so we, we go out, we put ourselves through things, but – um, ultimately, we rely on God to, to kind of see us through stuff, and this was no different than any other situation that I had gone through. Did you – was there any anger at God when you lost the Super Bowl? Never. I wonder? No. Never. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, I, was, I was just um, honored and, and, and amazed to be able to have that experience, to be able to go out and, you know, just really add to my story. You know, add to the goodness and the and the grace of of God. You know, knowing that a situation that seemed so bleak two weeks ago, um, God was able to prevail and and be the amazing God that He was to give me that opportunity to still be able to play. Because it's easy to praise God when you win. We hear that all the time. No question. And we were watching that a little bit with the Eagles and the Patriots a few weeks back at Super Bowl Fifty Two. And especially with the Eagles players, and so many of them are, are solid um, and very open about their faith. And, and you know what? So are the Patriots. And so and there's quite a few guys there. But just the idea of this wins and loss thing that many people in the secular world will kind of make fun of and say, well, God, where was God with you when you lost? You know, he's there when you win. Well, he's not your God when you lose. So just talk about the idea of God being who he is no matter what happens in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we understand that. Um, especially as, as football players that, you know, we say a prayer um, before and after the game. You know, and one of the things that we say before the game, um, God, win, lose, or draw, we're going to come together and we're going to honor you and all that we do. Mm. And 
we don't say that prayer in vain. We believe in it wholeheartedly. We understand that, you know, you're not going to win them all. But at the same time, win, lose, the draw, God is there. Yeah. He's surrounding us. He's there with us. And, you know, in, in saying that and understanding that as players, you go out and you play the game the same way, um, not, never really knowing what the outcome is going to be. But you're just thankful that you have the, the opportunity and the privilege to go out and play that game. It's really good. We're talking to Thomas Davis here from the Panthers on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. A couple more questions for you, Thomas. Your speech in 2015, this is the year before the Super Bowl now, you win the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. It was amazing. I went back and watched it on YouTube. It's there. Just search Thomas Davis, Walter Payton. It's an awesome, awesome speech. Just very genuine, very real. A standing ovation. The emotion you showed, this real emotion that was there was incredible. And you talked about being a village of guys to make a difference. You called out the NFL. It's like we, we need to be making a difference so that people reporting on our league can look at the positives and not the negatives. And you talked about your foundation and the work that it's done. It's done some incredible work making a difference, right? The Thomas Davis Defending Dreams Foundation. And I ask you now, tell us about why you started it and what the impact that it's making right now for those out there. You know, I, I've started my foundation in 2008 because of the way I grew up as a young kid. You know, I grew up, like I said earlier, watching my mom struggle to raise me and my sister. And I know that there are a lot of single moms out there that are struggling the same way that my mom did, if not worse. And there are a lot of kids in, in really bad situations. And we wanted to be able to help those kids out and provide for them in any way that we possibly could. And, you know, it, it doesn't just it's not limited to just Charlotte, the work that we do, because we do work in Charlotte, North Carolina. We do work in South Carolina, Greenville, where my wife is from. And we do work in Georgia, where I'm from. Um, we understand that there's a need. There's going to always be a need. And we just want to really help those kids out as much as we can. That's why we do so much when it's time to go back to school. We're making sure that the kids have backpacks, they have school supplies. And we've kind of grown the foundation to the point to where it's not just giving a kid a backpack and say, okay, go to school and, you know, just have a good school year. Now we follow those kids that we give those backpacks and school supplies through, throughout the year. That's good. We provide them with the things that they need for the whole year so that they, you know, as a kid, that's one of the things that you don't want to have to worry about. You don't want to um, be at a disadvantage because you don't have the supplies that you need to be successful. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to make it work for those kids throughout the school year. We um, do stuff for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we provide as many toys as we possibly can in all three states. And the things that we do for the women and children at Thanksgiving is probably my favorite event that we do because we take all of the women and children out of the Salvation Army Center of Hope, and we serve them. We don't just have food that we provide for them. We, We take them away from the shelter, get them out of that surrounding and those situations that they're in, and we allow them to come through the line and, you know, I usually have a bunch of my teammates out there with me. And yeah. we take their trays and we serve them. We carry the trays for them. And we allow them to really just enjoy themselves, to take their mind off of having to live in a shelter, to, for the kids to be able to interact with um, NFL players living in their city that they might not normally have an opportunity to do. So yeah. it's, it's been truly special to watch the foundation um, kind of transform and grow from where we started at to where we are now. When you think about the growth of my football camp that we do yearly, we had to break our football camp up into two groups now because we have over 700 kids signed up for our Praise football God, camp. Praise God, man. That's we great. Come out. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's 
amazing how how much God has allowed us to really work through him in the community and, and the things that we've been able to do for those kids has truly been amazing. And the great thing is that's going to last forever. That's bigger than football. That's big, you know, when you retire next year, that foundation's still going to be around to be able to serve and give back. So really great. Real quick, the website, where can people go to find out more? DefendingDreams.org. All of our information is there. You know, we have our charity weekend coming up in May. Um, it's really the only fundraising weekend that we have, but it's, it's a great time. Everything that we do for our kids and our families is 100% free. So any money that raised and donated um, to my foundation goes directly back. My wife serves as the executive director. You know, most foundations have an executive director that you have to pay, but she's taking on that role and she doesn't receive a dime. So everything in her doing it and everything that we bring in goes directly back to the kids. That's awesome. We'll definitely check that out. Um, and I really, really appreciate you joining us here. This is my last question. We asked us to... Every guest that we have on the podcast, just about every guest, you have one season left as an NFL player. We're talking right now, we're taping this in late February. You made your decision to return. I wonder from, from a faith perspective as a Christ follower during this time in your life, what are you learning from Jesus right now? What is the Lord teaching you right now? I think the Lord has, has really taught me and is, is continuing to teach me is you have to be patient. You know, it's, it's, it's not about when you want things to happen. I have a plan for your life, and it's important for you to be patient and, and follow my plan. Mm. That's, that's really what I've learned over yeah. the years that, that God has really been trying to show me. Because so often we as players, we get caught up when we want to see things done in the now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I want it my way. Yeah, I want it my way, I want it I want now. It now. Yeah. And, and that's not the way that, that the Lord operates, right. you know. It, it's, it's a plan that's in place, and you just got to follow that plan, and you have to be obedient. Yes. It's one of the biggest things that I've learned over the years. It's important to be obedient and follow God's plan. Amen. This is Thomas Davis, Carolina Panthers linebacker, three-time Pro Bowler, one more season to go. It's great talking to you here. Thanks so much for joining us on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And we do thank Thomas Davis, Carolina Panthers linebacker, for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Really appreciate his heart for people his heart to give back, and I loved the stories that he told uh, about overcoming adversity, about the ACL injuries that he went through, and that uh, and his faith, and how that was tested during those times, and, and where his faith is. Obviously, his faith at the center of who Thomas Davis and his family is. Uh, of course, Thomas, as we said early in the beginning of the interview, we taped this interview before uh, his four-game suspension was announced. We taped the interview in late February. And here we are releasing this in late April. And on April 7th, Thomas was suspended by the NFL for the first four games after testing positive for a banned performance-enhancing drug. And rather than me trying to say anything, I'm going to let the 35-year-old Mr. Davis himself talk. And I'm sharing his response that he posted on his Twitter page in hearing and announcing this suspension. So take a listen to Thomas. Uh, and then we'll re reconvene on the back end. So I just want to take a few minutes today to um, share some news with you guys that I received from the NFL. I was informed that um, I tested positive for a banned substance. Um, I was completely caught off guard by this. Um, I've never in any way done anything to try to intentionally cheat the game. It's 
one of those situations where um, the NFL rules are, are clear. They state that you are responsible as a player for what you put in your body. I've taken the same supplements for the last seven or eight years and never had any issues. Um, been tested numerous of times over the years while taking the same stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, this is some of the things that happen when you, when you take um, supplements. I've never tested positive for a steroid or, or HGH. It's not one of those situations. It ended up being an a estrogen blocker <coughs> that triggered a positive test for me. Um, I just want you guys to know that um, in no way would I ever do anything, like I said, to cheat this game or to try to create a competitive advantage over anybody. Um, I've always tried to do things the right way and that's something that I will continue to do when I'm able to get back on the field. I can honestly tell you guys that my conscience is clear in this situation. Um, and as bad as it hurts me to sit here and tell you guys this, I know it's going to hurt a lot of people that have looked up and believed in Thomas Davis over the years. Just know, in no way, in no way have I done anything intentionally to try to cheat this game. I'm going to serve this four-game suspension, and, you know, I'll be back ready to go back out there with my teammates, and, you know, who knows? Maybe this isn't my last year. Again, I think you can hear the genuine remorse uh, there, and, you know, I think I think nothing but the word classy when I think of Thomas Davis, even in the way that he responded to the four-game suspension. Uh, and hopefully, even at the end there, he kind of hinted that maybe it's not his last season in 2018. So we'll see what the Lord has planned for him. And again, we wish him nothing but the best, one of the most classy players you'll ever run across. And if you just want to see how uh, he's revered among his NFL brethren, just go to Twitter and look at all the people that responded uh, when the suspension was announced and when he posted his video. It was quite impressive. And and I think none of us can, can ever deny that we're going to fail and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to do things that maybe we shouldn't do, even if it's unintentional. Uh, and so we own up to those mistakes and we are grateful that we have a God that we serve uh, that uh, is a forgiving God and that understands that when we make mistakes, we own up to them. And we do have this God in heaven that we love and we trust and we thank him for the grace and mercy that he shows us every single day when we do mess up. Uh, so we wish Thomas Davis nothing but the best and thank him for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. And it's brought to you by this podcast from Compassion. And we told you about Compassion earlier. We're just so excited to have them on board as a sponsor, as a partner with us, and just doing great things. I mean, we're talking about a Christ-centered, church-based ministry. And through sponsors like you and me, because I sponsor a Compassion Child as well, Compassion's releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Over 1.8 million so far. Go check it out at Compassion.com. You can go right on their website. You can actually pick and choose which child you want to sponsor. So you can check out the stories of some of the kids there. And it's $38 a month. And man, does it help them. I mean, it allows them to have vocational training and education and tutoring and medical care and the opportunity to know Christ. I mean, come on. For $38 a month, it is so worth it. So go to Compassion.com today and sponsor a child in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at sports underscore spectrum. You can email me, Jason at sportspectrum.com. And as always, leave a review on iTunes and let us know that you heard the podcast and send us any guest ideas or any stories that you think we should be covering here 
at Sports Spectrum. Thanks so much and have a great day. We'll see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.